We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Um, I'm going to pray a little bit more uh, for the year ahead and uh, for our um, time in God's word this morning as well. Uh, and I might actually ask you to stand up just to join me in prayer if you're able. If you're not able to, that's fine. No, not going to judge anyone. But just to, to stand, we're going to stand together in prayer for our time in the Word um, and for the year ahead and for our valley, Lord. And So, Father, we, we thank you for your Word. Mm. We don't want to come to it passively, Lord. We want to come to it actively. We want to lean in. We want to hunger and thirst for all that you have for us this morning. Father, we pray for our, our valley, the Yas Valley, and the, and the communities around it, Lord. We pray that you would transform it with your word. We pray for a great revival across this valley. Not just through this church, but through every church in the valley. We pray that you would reach out and save the lost, heal the brokenhearted, and there would be a great restoration in this valley of hearts coming back to you, Lord. Father, we pray for the year ahead, uh, a year where we're entering it knowing that there's uncertainty and when will this be over and all things like that. We pray that you keep our hearts faithful to you. We pray that you help us to not grow weary of doing good, but to, uh, to continue to serve you and serve others in your name. We pray that despite the uncertainties, despite the challenges, that this would be a year of blessing for your church and for this community. Yeah, Lord, and I pray for myself now, finally, as we come to your word, I pray that I would be able to be faithful with what you've sown into me from your word. I pray that you'd help me to share and do, do well with the goodness of what you've given me to share this morning. May your word ring true, may it uh, enter into our hearts, and may we be transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can take a seat. You can stay standing if you like. Uh, that might be weird, but you can do that. I won't judge you. Um, so this morning, I've used the word pivotal about a million times over the last couple of weeks talking about this morning. I think this morning is a pivotal Sunday for our church. Uh, pivotal in the sense of it is this first opportunity in 330 days uh, that we can actually be open to everybody um, assuming everybody stays somewhere below 200 for a while. Um, it's great to be back together. Uh, it's been great to have the technology to connect together uh, through cameras and screens and internets, but it's so much better to be able to see your face. Ooh. A lot has changed in that time. Um, we can see some of those changes this morning. There's lights that we didn't used to have. Uh, there's pallets behind here that we didn't used to have. There's rugs on the floor. Uh, you probably can't see, but these are actually new microphone stands. They've changed. Uh, they're not snapped in half like the old ones. Uh, there's been new computers to facilitate connecting online. Uh, there's been people changes. We've got new elders. And uh, we've had, um, if you didn't know, Selena stepped out of Kids Church uh, leadership to, to pursue a PhD, so that's pretty huge, uh, and someone's hopefully stepping into that space. There's been people changes, there's been lots of changes. Uh, and so uh, this Sunday, uh, we're calling Vision Sunday, and we do this each year. 
We used to do it at the end of November, but now doing it at the start of February, uh, where we do Vision Sunday, and, and that's where we just share a word or a phrase uh, to focus on for the year ahead, to, uh, to, to build a vision for that year around, and that we believe is kind of what God's putting on our heart. Uh, and so for this year, that word is transformed. You might have guessed when you got your card coming in this morning, and it said transformed on the front of it. And so lots has changed, but I believe that God's calling us this year not into just changing superficial, cosmetic things, not just, you know, the lights and all of this that makes the place look much more beautiful is fantastic. But it's not just about cosmetic change, superficial change. I believe that God's calling us into a year of deep, God-shaped transformation. That we would be transformed as people, that we would be transformed as a church, and that we would see our community transformed in the name of Jesus. A year of not just change, but of transformation. And so what I want to do this morning is, I just want to dive into that passage that James read for us. Thank you, James. Uh, Because that gives a, a clear call to God's church to be transformed. And so I want to start the year we're sharing from this passage because this is going to be uh, the passage that we're really going to keep coming back to this year that talks about being transformed. And so uh, today's kind of Vision Sunday part one and we're going to have part two, three and four throughout the rest of February. We're going to unpack this more uh, as we go forward but but today I just want to lean into this passage. I want to talk caterpillars and butterflies a little bit uh, and then we're going to respond. Is that good? We okay? Yeah. Cool. So Romans 12, chapter 1, sorry, verse 1. I did the same thing, James, calling chapters verses. Romans 12, verse 1 says, therefore. So whenever you read therefore, you, you want to take a little bit of a look back to, it's cliche, cringy when pastors say this, but what's the therefore, therefore? And so the Apostle Paul has spent 11 chapters talking about our need for and the enormity of God's grace. He's then talking about his mercy and obviously the pinnacle of that is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sin that we might go free. And he gets to the end of those 11 chapters and he ends that with uh, the fancy word is doxology. Another word is, is praise, a psalm, a song. And he ends those 11 chapters with what James read. Oh, the depth of his riches, of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And so he ends with praise and then he says, therefore. This is is a moment of Paul considering and writing to us, how do we respond to the enormity of God's grace? These 11 chapters before this have all been about what God has done for us and then how in turn do we behave and respond? And so Paul urges us, he says, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And so just as Jesus gave his entire self on the cross in death for us, we're urged to give our whole self 
to him in response. Not to earn his grace, but in response to his grace. Just as Jesus sacrificed himself completely and totally, we are called to sacrifice ourselves completely and totally. But, but instead of in death like Jesus, we're called to do it in life. We're called to be living sacrifices. No less completely given over, but in life, not in death. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul kind of reflects on what this looks like in his own life. And I think it's a, a great way of personalizing it, thinking about it for ourselves. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so Paul's conception of, of what it looks like for he himself to be a living sacrifice, to offer himself completely to God, is, is to think of it in those terms. I no longer live, but I'm still alive, I'm still in a body, so this life that I live in this body is completely lived out through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for me. It's about our whole life lived as a sacrifice to God. And Paul goes on to say, this is your true and proper worship. And so, as much as we want to be able to sing, worship is so much more than our song. It's so much more than our financial offering. It's, it's so much more than giving our time to God. It's more than our, our music. It's more than our moments. It's more than our money. It's, it's a giving of our whole life to God as a sacrifice, but not dying. And see, the thing with, with, the, with the sacrifice that's given in death, that happens once. But, but a living sacrifice is to be offered each and every day, every moment. A, a, another way of translating that proper worship phrase is logical service. And so Paul's in a sense saying this is the only logical, sensible, reasonable response to God's mercy is that we give our entire self to him in life. And then he goes on to tell us what that looks like in Romans 12.2 in the next verse. He says, do not conform to this world. And so that's a type of sacrifice. That's a type of death. That's a type of giving ourselves to God. It's, it's an action that we do. We choose to not conform to the patterns, to the culture, to the priorities, to the values, to the behaviours of this world. That's how we die to this life. We don't conform to it. And he says, be transformed. That's, that's God's action in us when we choose to not conform. He says, be transformed. This is a call to be different. I don't know how many times I've heard people talk, and I know it's well-meaning, I've probably said it myself, but we just need the world to know that as Christians, we're just normal. We're normal people. But that's the exact opposite of what Paul is saying here. I get what we're saying in that, that we want the world to know that we're not whack jobs or, or cult and things like that. But, but we don't want the world to know we're normal. We want to be very different. We want to be transformed and not conform. So we die to conformity to this world. And we're transformed, and Paul says, through the renewing of your mind. And so that's God shaping our thoughts, our attitudes, our beliefs, our values, our priorities, so that flows over into our behaviour so that it looks more and more like Jesus. 
that our mind is reshaped so that what flows out of our life is Jesus-shaped and not world-shaped. In fact, this, this, the Greek word, so Paul originally wrote or had this written in ancient Greek and, and the Greek word for transformed here is metamorphu. This only appears a few times in the New Testament. Twice, it's talking about the moment that Jesus was transfigured, it's translated there, on the Mount of Olives. That, that, that moment where, where the, the cloud came down from heaven, the Father spoke to Jesus and his appearance was transformed into that of his glorious heavenly presence. Twice it's that. Once it's here. The other time is in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed or metamorphosed into his image. That's Jesus with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So if you're wondering about, well, what am I transformed into? Well, it's more and more into the image of Jesus as our mind is renewed and reshaped to look like him. And then Paul goes on to say, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And so here's the catch. We can't live fully in God's will for us if we choose to conform to this world instead of being transformed by God. Unless we choose to no longer conform to the patterns of this world and instead be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we cannot live fully in God's will for our life. Now, I'm not saying that God's wrath will be upon you and you'll be punished for that because if you're in Jesus, you're saved by grace. But what I am saying is unless we engage with God, unless we allow him to transform us, we can't live in the fullness of all that God desires for us. We can't live in the fullness of his good, pleasing and perfect will for our lives, for the life of our church, for the life of our community. Because that's what he says, then, then, once we've not conformed, once we've been transformed, and this is not a once-off thing, this is an ongoing thing, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And so this is not just about superficial cosmetic change. That Greek word metamorpho, that's the root of the English word metamorphosis. And, and so metamorphosis is what happened to Michael. He was once a caterpillar and now he's a butterfly. Metamorphosis, I looked up the definition, is a biological process by which an animal physically develops after birth or hatching involving a conspicuous and relatively abrupt change in the animal's body structure through cell growth and differentiation. What I want to grab is that conspicuous and relatively abrupt change, or, or let's say dramatic, conspicuous and relatively dramatic change. That's the kind of being transformed the Apostle Paul is talking about here. And so as we think about that word transformed this year, as, as we think about moving towards that as, as what shapes our thoughts and attitudes about what this year is about as a church and as about people in the church, I think that metamorphosis gives us a great picture of what transformation should look like. And, and I believe it gives us a great picture of what God's calling us to in this season as a church. Of course, this call from Romans 12, 1 and 2 uh, is a until Jesus comes back thing. 
Just as uh, last year we talked about abiding in Jesus and, and uh, then we'll be fruitful, that doesn't end this year. That's God's word remains. But I believe this year is a, is a year of significant, relatively dramatic change for, for us as a church, transformation. And so as we learn from the hungry caterpillar, the caterpillar hatches from the egg. It's eat, it eats and it grows. And that's the purpose of the caterpillar. Probably not meant to eat cake, but the purpose of the caterpillar is to eat and to grow large enough to become the butterfly. That's its purpose. And so as I think about that, what does that caterpillar stage represent if we're thinking about being transformed as people, about being transformed as a church? Well, for me, it looks a bit like perhaps the caterpillar for us is being a growing small country town church. That is kind of dependent upon a, a relatively small group of people who in families to do a whole bunch of stuff. It's that growing and growing and growing. And that's what we've been on a journey of growth as a church. We've grown significantly as a church over the past few years. Perhaps in our personal lives, it looks like the incremental personal growth in our faith, that, that gradual ongoing growing. And I want to say, as I talk about this, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the caterpillar. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with who we've been or who you've been. It has a purpose. But the thing about caterpillars, it can't stay a caterpillar forever. In a lab, if they be mean to caterpillars, they do such mean things to animals in labs. But if, if they prevent it from forming a chrysalis, once it reaches that size, it stops growing. And when it stops growing, it eventually will die. And so there's nothing wrong with a caterpillar, but, but it can't stay the caterpillar. And I think the same is true for our church. There's nothing wrong with where we've been, but, but our old habits, our old patterns, our old structures or lack of structure sometimes can't sustain all that God is calling us into in the season to come. And so I think this year is going to be a season of conspicuous and dramatic change for our church. So the time comes for the caterpillar to become the butterfly. And so the caterpillar doesn't die, but it has to die to being a caterpillar. It has to choose. Obviously, I'm giving it more cognitive function than caterpillars probably have. But, but it has to choose. My caterpillar days are done. I'm going to move on. I'm going to embrace conspicuous and dramatic change and I'm going to become a butterfly. It dies to being a caterpillar. Just as we have to have that decision in our own life, I'm going to die to conformity to this world. I'm going to die to my old patterns, my old habits, my old structures. That's true of us as people and as a church. But the thing is, contained within the caterpillar is everything it needs to become the butterfly. It has the right DNA. It has the right proteins. It has these special cells called imaginal discs that become the parts of the butterfly. And so there's these tiny little clusters of cells inside the caterpillar for wings. There's these tiny little clusters for all the different parts of the butterfly called imaginal discs. I just love that phrase. Because contained within you, contained within our church, is everything needed for God to transform us into what he's calling us to be. 
So I wonder, what are the imaginal discs in your life? What are the things that no one knows about, no one can see except for God that's going to become your wings, that's going to become your gift, your ministry to the church, to the community? What, what is in you that is completely dormant right now? but just needs some chrysalis time to be transformed into everything God's called you and created you to be. I want to backtrack for a moment and and talk about what happens in the chrysalis. I I learnt through my research, sounds like I was in a lab, but I just read stuff online. Um, (laughs) Butterflies don't make cocoons, they make chrysalises. Moths make cocoons, butterflies chrysalises. A completely useless piece of information for you this morning. But that's it. So what happens inside the chrysalis is the caterpillar digests itself. It completely dissolves or melts itself inside the chrysalis. And so if you were to cut the chrysalis open at the right point, if you're a mean laboratory person, what would come out of the chrysalis would be caterpillar soup. That's the phrase that I read on a site talking all about caterpillar metamorphosis. And so there is this moment of the transformation of the metamorphosis that that everything looks like goo. It looks like a mess. Everything looks unknown. It looks apparently disorganized in the midst of that transformation. And so the point is we shouldn't judge it too soon. If you were to judge a caterpillar at that moment inside the chrysalis, you would think it was a mess you would think it was nothing like a butterfly. You would go, what is this disgusting goo? The same is true for your life or the lives of others. If you judge it too soon, if you judge it in the middle of God transforming you from what was to what will be, it will just look like a mess sometimes. It will look disorganized. It will look like caterpillar soup in the space between what was and what will be. The same is true for us as a church. I believe it's a year that God's saying, be transformed. But there's this space between what we were used to, you know, small country town growing church, and and whatever it is that God's calling it to, that some things are going to just look a bit like caterpillar soup. We don't have kids' church today. We're still working on leadership for that. We're, we're, We're in a process of exploring what kind of staffing we need as a church beyond what we already have and and what support we need in that, and, and, and what do we actually, what are our roles and structures as a church? But at the moment, a lot of that looks like caterpillar soup. But we know the, the imaginal disc, the, the potential for what it's going to be is there. Because we believe that God has placed within this church everything it needs to become what God's calling it to be. So I want to encourage you to stick with it. In your own life, if you're in a season of transformation and you're getting frustrated because, well, you've, you've, you've left what was and you're not in what will be and everything just seems a mess, stick with it. Dig into God in it. Believe that he's put in you the bits that need to be in you to grow into the butterfly. Stick with it. I want to urge you to stick with, pardon me, the church. If there's moments where you think, this place is chaos, it's messy, kids everywhere, they're noisy, stick with it. If there's things you don't understand, I want to encourage you to stick with it. Yeah, you can ask questions. 
but stick with it. I'm in a space where, you know, the, 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 um, not just the stress of last year trying to lead a church through a pandemic, but, but a whole bunch of things led to me falling apart to a significant degree. And so I'm in a process of, I'm in the caterpillar soup personally at the moment. You know, I know there's stuff that needs to be transformed about how I live and act and what I do and things like that, but, but I don't really know what that all looks like at the moment. And so, so I'm just trying to stick with it with God as he, as he works in the caterpillar soup space of my life. Stick with it, church. Because the truth is that the butterfly is emerging. As messy as that moment in the chrysalis looks like, the butterfly will emerge. What God is transforming in your life, what God is doing in the church will emerge. And I can't say I know fully what that looks like. I can't tell you this morning, oh, it looks exactly like this. Because in many ways, thanks to COVID, thanks to leadership change, thanks to me falling apart, other stuff, in many ways we're right in the chrysalis right now. But I do know that the butterfly has a different diet. It feeds itself differently. It's got different abilities. It can fly. I've never seen a caterpillar fly. There's things butterflies can do that caterpillars can't. It has a different purpose. The caterpillar's purpose is just to grow. Or to use Lynn's word, get fat. (laughs) But the butterfly's purpose isn't just to grow. It's actually to reproduce. And so if we think about that in kingdom terms, yes, we've grown, but, but I believe God's calling us into a season, I don't know when, when our, our calling is not just to grow, but to reproduce. But if you're scared about change, if it scares you this morning and you know all this talk of caterpillars and butterflies, you're like, oh, what's happening to church? I want to encourage you, though, the caterpillar has the same DNA as the butterfly. The thing... That shapes who the caterpillar is, is the same thing that shapes who the butterfly is. Uh, for us as a church, of course, that is Jesus at the very centre, but, but I don't think it's a season to change the, the love we have for one another as a church. It's not a season to change um, the, the, the sense of family that we have as a church. It's certainly not a season to change the sense of unity and connection we have with other church families in Yas. It has the same DNA. And the butterfly is beautiful. Some caterpillars can have some pretty gnarly colours and look pretty beautiful, but butterflies are inherently beautiful. Even the ones that are just the plain colour. Like there's a lot of white butterflies around Yass at the moment. They're just plain white, but the way they move, the way they fly is, is beautiful. And we can trust that that's true of whatever transformation, whatever metamorphosis God is leading us through as people, as a church, because Paul says, then we'll know. We'll be able to test and approve of what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know that it's going to be good because God has said that it's good. And so we're going to wrap up in a moment's time. And as I said, I'm going to talk more about this over the next few weeks. But what I'm going to be talking about over the next few weeks is kind of three key ways. I don't know what it all looks like, but three key ways I feel like God's uh, leading us to be transformed. Uh, That first way is to be transformed people. And so my sense is that as a church, uh, this is a year for spiritual awakening. To To be refreshed, to be renewed, to be awakened 
in the spirit, to be, to guess, shake off perhaps the apathy and complacency that, that filters in sometimes and, and you know, pandemics help with that, but that this is a year that we would be awakened in God's spirit in a fresh way. That we would be as Moses, well, if God's spirit's not with us, then we're going to sit here and wait until it is. That as the British revivalist, whose name is in next week's notes and left my mind right now, said, if you want to start a revival, draw a circle and pray for revival within it. Step into the circle and pray for revival within it. That, that as we seek revival in our community, that we would first seek a spiritual awakening in our own lives. So I believe God's calling us to be transformed people in that way. I believe God's calling us to be a transformed church. So people and then together as a church, and, and that's transformation in our culture and our structures. And so we're working on the structure stuff. But the culture of our church, I think, needs to transform as we move into the next season. Uh, and I think the two key areas of that is a culture of honour and a culture of being servant-hearted. That we would honour our leadership as we did this morning, and hopefully that's not just in lip service, but in action. And that we would not just do stuff out of obligation, but that we would grow each and every one of us with a heart to serve the church and the community. So people, church, and, and, and the final one of that, the final way I think that God's calling for transformation this year is the community. That is, the community outside of our church, that they would be transformed with the love and the good news of God. And I'll share about that in a few weeks' time, but it's really on my heart to pray for 10% over 10 years. And that's of the Yass Valley. That might, you might think, oh, 10%, that's not much, but that would represent, at this stage, um, 1,500 people. There's not that many in the room. We would not fit in within coronavirus restrictions right now. And so uh, I think there's three kind of key levels or layers or ways that God wants us to be transformed. And Hannah, you can come up right now with your team. Each of you would have received a card on the way in, I hope. Um, if you're not... Complain loudly now and Carl will rectify that for you. On the back of that card is some space for you to write. Um, I was not forward thinking enough to provide pens, but um, so you can do this at home or here if you do have pens. And so my question is how will you respond? How will you respond? I've sought to issue the call that I believe God put on my heart to share with you this morning that God is calling us to be transformed. And so I want you to take a, a few moments to think about, well, God, how are you calling me to respond to that? And at this point, I'm not talking about which roster are you going to join, which... Blair. those practicalities have to happen but that's not what I'm talking about this morning how are you going to respond in spirit that flows into action this morning I just want to read one final verse just in case anyone's here this morning that thinks well I'm good I've been transformed job's done Paul goes on to say it's one of those spaces where the heading that separates the verses is unfortunate although helpful to some degree because the very next verse, Romans 12, verse 3, says, For the grace God, sorry, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So Paul saying in the context of thinking about conformity and transformation, yeah, don't think too highly of yourself. Each and every one of us are in the space where we need to be transformed. So who do you sense God's calling you to be this year? What kind of church do you sense God calling us to be this year? What kind of transformation do you sense God desiring for our local community this year? And how will you respond to God's call? what I want you to take. You don't have to answer all those questions. It's not a test. But I want you to think about you might write one word down, you might write an essay. You're not submitting this to anybody except for to God. We just want to give you that time and space to respond. So I'm going to pray. The team are going to minister just in music for a few moments and then we'll worship one final time. If you would like a pen, the amazing Carl has pulled some from somewhere and he has a tin of pens. So wave your hand around. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you for the word that you inspired this morning. I pray that any baggage that is of me would not be retained in our memory in any way, but anything that is of you and everything that is of you would find deep roots in our heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us to response this morning. It'd be nice to have all the answers, but we don't come to you for all the answers this morning. We invite you to show us this morning where we need to die to the things of this world, where we need to be transformed. Lead us this morning, Holy Spirit, in how we should respond. We pray this in your mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.